What does the perfect father look like? If you imagine that, what do you think of? Do you think of Mr. Cleaver from Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith? When I was young, I used to think of Bill Cosby, uh, and Bill was like this fun dad who was also no-nonsense. And of course, the reality of life versus TV is very different. And we can think, oh man, look at how even our our best models of fatherhood uh, fall so short. None of us had the perfectly sinless parent or foster parent or step-parent. None of us. Who's been a perfect parent of us so far? Any of us? No. None of us. That means that all of our parenting models and the models of our own children that they see are flawed. So what hope is there? Guys, our hope is in the gospel and that we have a good and perfect father in the Lord. Today we're talking about fathering well. And even if you don't have children, you can learn to be a spiritual father or mother in the church not just a teacher of information, like 1 Corinthians 4.15 says, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. We don't want to just be teachers of information, but loving parents in a world where so many family models are broken. Now, the context here that we're going to hit, um, the passage we're going to hit is Ephesians 6.4. Uh, and actually, I'm going to read that now, and then we'll talk about context. Verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, when Paul says this to the churches all around the, the area of Ephesus, he doesn't just say this with no context. Even the letter of Ephesians Uh, has lots of context. Paul assumes he's speaking to people in the body of Christ who have their own love relationship with the Lord. Back in, in chapter one, he had said, grace, peace, and blessing be to you from God our Father uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter five, he had encouraged us and challenged us to be imitating the Lord. And so as we're being challenged as fathers and as parents not to provoke our children to anger, it comes with this context of God has blessed us. Our Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so we can then in turn represent his fatherhood to our own children. Brian Chappell, and I'm going to draw from him quite a bit today. Brian Chappell says, the father we perceive our God to be shapes the parent that we are able to be. That's from his commentary in Ephesians. The father we perceive our God to be shapes the parent that we are able to be. So the question is, are you secure in your relationship with God? Or do you need to prove something to him or to others through your children? If you are perceiving God as being a very harsh God, you'll tend to be very harsh towards your children uh, Really, not just to get them to behave, but you can start to perceive other people are going to be thinking poorly of me based on my parenting. If you see God that way, you're going to start seeing yourself that way, and you're going to see other people that way. 
And we end up putting that pressure on our children. Well, it provokes our kids when we act that way. Biblical parenting occurs in a church context. Paul is also assuming this. Uh, In chapter 2, verse 22, he talked about being built together. In chapter 3, verse 10, he's talked about it being through the church that God's wisdom is made known. And this is God's plan. So his plan for us, if we're going to parent well and father well, is that we're doing it in the context of a church family with other parents, other families, and leaders around us. Paul's assuming also that our, our parenting is built on a healthy relationship between mom and dad. Does that mean that we all have perfect relationships? No, clearly many of us come from broken homes where our moms and dads may not have even made it in their marriage. They may have split off and, and divorced. Is there no hope then? No, of course there's hope. Of course there's hope, but we want to cultivate and encourage and champion a healthy relationship between a husband and wife. The greatest earthly gift a parent can give a child is a loving relationship with one spouse because that child is learning from his parents or from her parents the way that we relate. They will begin to think that God also is like us. They'll tend to view God through us. There was a survey of Duke University students in the 1990s, and 45% cited their parents' divorce as their most determinative, life-changing event. Again, I'm drawing that from Brian Chappell from his book. Only one of those students listed their father as a major role model and influencer. Isn't that amazing? Only one of those students said, yeah, my parent, my dad was a major role model. And yet God's word to us is fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, clearly a healthy marriage does not guarantee godly children. And by God's grace, great kids can come from the worst family situations right? Yes, of course, of course, of course. But we understand that good parenting, godly parenting, uh, it's going to occur within a context of Christian living. And it's going to, really, it's best going to happen when the father understands, and father and mother too, when we understand God is the one who's equipping us to raise this child And the context is Christian living, not just a precise set of right or wrong behaviors as parents. It's not here, you know, you got to do it this, 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 and you're going to be guaranteed good kids. No, you could do everything right and your kids may still rebel uh, and walk away from the Lord. You could do everything wrong and God's grace can break in and, and be so redeeming in the life of these children. Now, the last thing in context here, biblical child rearing understands the responsibilities of the child. Again, drawing from Brian Chapel, we will parent well only if we know what God expects us to nurture in our children. What's the goal? What does God say the goal is for our children? We want to parent with that goal in mind. So this brings us to the actual content of this verse. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers. Paul uses the Greek word for fathers. That being said, the verses before have instructed children to honor moms too, so moms aren't just off the hook in raising them. But dads, God considers you able by his grace to father your children. You need to hear that. God considers you able by his grace to father your children. You may feel inadequate. God doesn't see you that way. Don't leave it to mom or to grandma or to grandpa or someone else to raise your children up in the ways of the Lord. God sees you as able. And there's a responsibility we have there as dads to raise our kids and speak into them the destiny of God, the life of God, the purpose of God in their lives, to root them into the grace of Jesus. The culture may or may not honor you in this, but God does. God honors you in this. God will champion you in this. Uh, Secondly, do not provoke your children to anger. Often our greatest failings as parents result from our own insecurities. Oh, thank you, Brian Chapel. Our own insecurities. I know that's been true in my own life. One time when Gabe was a little boy, he hit his sister. And this had been a pattern for a while when he would get frustrated with her. So me being fearful of what people would think of me as a leader and as a parent, if I couldn't get this under control... I grabbed Gabe, I picked him up, took him into his room, and I slammed him down onto his bed. Now, it was his bed. It was soft. I wasn't slamming him into a wall or something. But the look of terror in his little boy boy eyes broke my heart as I realized how harshly I was disciplining him. I was angry, and I was disciplining him in anger. The same dad who led worship at church and talked about the goodness and grace of the Lord at church was demonstrating something entirely different at home. And what I was teaching him was not representative of who God the Father is and how God disciplines us as his kids. So we can hear that. Don't provoke your children to anger. Well, then how can we do the opposite? How can we encourage our kids rather than provoke them to anger? Well, here's just some thoughts, some good ways to encourage your kids. Question, dads, moms, stepdads, stepmoms, foster moms, foster dads. Are you the same person at home as you are at church or in public? Are you consistent with your kids? Do you make empty threats and then not follow through? Or do you have the same consequence today as the consequence was yesterday for the same action? And can your kids know that the boundaries you set are solid and safe? They, they will actually be secure in this when we're just consistent. Are you physically and emotionally present with your kids? Just being engaged and involved is a powerful, powerful thing. Are you being honorable toward them and around them? Are you treating them well? Are you speaking and acting with honor honor and dignity yourself? Do you discipline them in love? Or do you do like I did that one day with my son Gabe in anger? 
or harshly. If you're disciplining in love, doesn't mean they're going to love it in the moment. Scripture says uh, no discipline is, discipline is pleasant in the moment. Nobody likes it. No one likes being corrected. No one likes being disciplined. Even if it's the best training from the best coach imaginable, people will still be like, oh, I don't like this. But if we're doing it in love and the kids know they're loved, it will go a long way. Now, we're called to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up. That in and of itself suggests this is a process over time. Good discipline for 24 hours is probably not going to produce long-lasting change in our kids. Uh, But good discipline over time is going to bear good fruit. This is a process over time. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Here's Brian Chappell again. This is the essence of biblical parenting. Not acquiescing to our children's demands, but serving their ultimate need to live as God requires. This is their need. Sometimes this servant is pleasant and other times painful, but it all is always characterized by the selfless application of one's resources, insights, and energies to the formation of a child's Christ-likeness. We lead by using our authority to serve the best interests of others. This is a big thing in parenting. I am speaking into this child's life, and not just children, guys, but those that we're mentoring in the church as well, our spiritual sons and daughters, we're speaking into their lives for their best interest. It's not just to make us look good. It's to raise them up so that they can find success. It's one of our core values. We're here for one another's success. We want to be here and present for the success of our children and our spiritual sons and daughters as well. Guys, our children need to be disciplined and instructed. They need to be trained. They need to be corrected. God himself disciplines those he loves. We find that in Proverbs 3.12, and we find that in Hebrews 12.6. God disciplines those he loves. To withhold discipline is to be unloving and unlike our Father. Now, that doesn't mean we need to be abusive in our discipline or overly harsh in our discipline. Of course not. We, we, we definitely don't want to do that and portray God as just a God of uh, kind of capricious anger. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get with him, but he might fly off the handle at any moment. No, God is not like that. He's patient. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. So what is the discipline of the Lord? What does that look like for me to discipline of the Lord? Is what you are modeling as a parent, is what I am modeling of the Lord. If I'm going to train my children over time and my spiritual children over time, then what I need to be modeling to them is of the Lord. Is, Is my own life a disciplined one? John Maxwell, the the famous uh, uh, leadership guru, (laughs) says this, you can teach what you know, but you will reproduce who you are. 
I love that statement, and that statement makes me uh, kind of shake in my boots a little bit as well. You can teach what you know. You can talk to your kids about God all you want, but what you're going to reproduce in your kids is who you are. So I need to be modeling. We need to be modeling. Dads, be modeling the Lord for them. What is the instruction of the Lord? One day my neighbor complimented my kids as being good citizens. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. But you know, the goal of the instruction of the Lord and the goal of instructing our kids is not to be good citizens. That's not the end goal. That's actually a great fruit of Christ-like growth because if your kids are loving their neighbor as themselves, well, that's fruit of God at work in their lives. It will make them good citizens. But are you teaching your kids the ways of God? And the ways of God, meaning the, the foundations of grace and truth, not either or, but grace and truth. Are we rooting our kids into the grace of God, the good news of God's grace extended to us? Do your kids know that their security is found in Christ? That they don't have to behave well to be loved by God, but that God loved them while they were sinners and he gave himself for them even while they were sinners and he's more committed to transforming them to be like him and to represent him well. He's more committed to that than they could possibly be or you could possibly be. Are you painting a picture of Jesus for your kids that is just full of his grace, also full of his truth, both together? You can do this. Guys, you can do this. God has given you his word. He's given you his spirit. And he's given you spirit-filled leaders and teachers and friends around you to help you. He set you in a church family for this reason, partly for this reason. Now, we all may feel inadequate. Like I sure do at times. Wow, I feel so inadequate. As a spiritual father in the early church, even the apostle Paul felt that way at times. In 2 Corinthians 2.16, he says, who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient for these things? We may feel inadequate to be a father, a mother, a son, or a daughter. I said this last week too. We may feel too hurt or too broken, too wounded, too damaged, too rejected, too abandoned, or even just too incompetent. But God is the one who makes us competent. He is the one who makes us qualified to be the parents that he's called us to be. And so when he says through the Apostle Paul, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, he's not just saying go do something that's impossible. God himself is committed to helping us do this. He is the perfect father, the perfect healer, the perfect teacher, the perfect friend, and he will help us parent well. Even as surrogate parents in the church or foster parents, adoptive parents, step parents, he will help us father well. And you say, my models were all so messed up. How do I even know how to be a dad? You have the perfect father in our Father God, and you have the perfect example of him 
in his son, Jesus Christ, the exact representation of the father. He will help you parent well. And he has grace for you. He has grace for us. If we sin in our parenting, he will not abandon us. He will discipline and train us in love and truth. And he will help us walk in grace and in truth with one another, with our children, and with ourselves. This all begins and ends with the gospel. Jesus loves us. He gave himself for us. This was by our Father's perfect plan and design. Father, I pray for every parent hearing this, even parents who are expecting children, maybe fearful of what it's going to mean to be a young father or a young mother, those that are planning to adopt, those that have adopted and are thinking, oh God, how do I, how do, I do this? How can I parent well? Father, I pray for such grace on us and confidence that you are our competency. You qualify us, and when we throw ourselves on your mercy, you help us to parent where well. Father, where we need to repent for ungodly parenting practices, where we've been overly harsh or inconsistent, where we've abdicated our responsibility to train our children in the ways of God, forgive us. Lord, we thank you that your, your forgiveness is so complete, so far-reaching. Lord, that you forgive us our sins, and when we confess them, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you that you will help us parent well and represent you well in our culture today. Thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.